up, everyone, and welcome to the Lacrosse Culture Podcast, episode number three. We got a great one for you here. I'm your host, Cody Golan, and with me always, my co-host, Matt Unger. What's up, everybody? We got another great show for you today, doing another top ten list. What we got going on on the list today? Today's top ten list is the top ten ways to grow the game at the youth level. Youth lacrosse is a big part of our sport and something we need to focus on regardless of what level we're, we're playing currently. The youth is always going to be a pipeline to further and uh, bigger games for us, and that's something we need to focus on. Yeah, definitely can't wait to get into the list. But before that, going back to last week, we talked about the, the top ten pregame rituals in lacrosse, and our number one was music, what kind of music you listen to pregame, warm-up, so on and so forth. So just to kind of retouch on that episode, we decided to, to look back at our, at our high school glory days and, and pick what our most listened to two songs were pregame. So what was your what was your number one listen to song? Like I said last week, my, my favorite thing to do before a game, music-wise, was listen to something a little more edgy, a little something that got me fired up, either anger or you know, some kind of emotion. And uh, for me, that's the song I always did it was uh, Evanescent's song, Wake Me Up Inside. It's definitely a different feeling than your typical music for, for pregame stuff. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and play it real quick, give you a quick peek at it. Yeah, we'll toss it on. Here we go. How can you see into my eyes like open doors? That's a, a great one, like you were saying, a little bit a little bit more edgy, a little bit more fired up. Uh, for me, as I was talking last week, I always like to kind of listen to something with, with a bit more flow, a bit more relaxed. I didn't really want to get overhyped being an offensive player. So my number one song from back in the day in high school is Let the Drummer Kick by Citizen Cope. So here it is. Check this out. listen to that song you know even when I'm just out skiing or, or hanging out you know still still a big fan of it and obviously it brings me back to to the, the glory days back in high school and my you know musical choices changed in college but looking back at high school that was definitely the, the number one most listened to song on the bus in, in pregame yeah I mean it kind of mellows me out just listen to it right here 
Uh, I think for now, though, I think that wraps up last week's podcast, you know? Yeah, moving on Moving on to this week. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we got the top 10 ways to grow the game at the youth level. So if we just want to start out, what, do you, what would you say you think number one is, number two, somewhere around there? All right, well, before I get into my list, I just wanted to talk about how I came up with my list. I thought about ways to keep kids playing the game at the youth level. I think that's the most important part to grow the game. We need participation, first and foremost. Uh, I understand the game is growing. Uh, we're getting more and more players each year, but we need to continue that trend, and that's the kind of the way I went with my list. So the first thing that came to mind was we need educated coaches. You know, the biggest part of the youth level is the coaching because that's when they're learning everything about the game. And from whenever I started playing youth, we had coaches that were just, you know, dads that decided to help give a helping hand after work. We need more and more players that, you know, played at high levels, the uh, college level, the professional level, getting into the youth game and really grow the game from the inside out. Yeah, definitely. I had something similar, just, you know, getting better coaches or, or getting coaches that can come back from – from being being a high level varsity coach or, or a college college guy that went on and they come back and they know the game a little bit better than just a, a parent that you know watches a, a video or two and, and that's great that you know we have people that can go out there and that's how we started was we had you know just parent coaches and there's and they're doing and they're doing the best they want to help out but you know if we were really looking to start to grow the game at the youth level especially within your community you need coaches to start being more educated. All right, uh, coaches that have played, coaches that went on to play, you know, at a higher level to come back and start giving back to, to the youth game. And I, I think we definitely see that. I, I know of a lot of professional lacrosse players that have gotten to the club scene at the youth level. I think to grow the game even more, though, we need to get on a more local level, uh, you know, in the your local borough or your local city. You know, not so much the club atmosphere, just a more school-oriented position. Yeah, yeah. I think, unless you have something else to add, I, I'm going to throw another one here yeah. out. Uh, the second one I had was just making sure that we really harp on the fundamentals of the game. Uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of times, just like we were talking with the, with the coaches, you know, when they know better drills and, and they know the, the proper mechanics of the game, harping on those at a young level is going to really push your game forward when you, when you get higher up, you know, in the rankings. Right. And just to kind of piggyback off that, um, big thing for me is focus on development over winning. De- focusing on getting those fundamentals down over you know winning a game. Uh, I go back to my days playing youth baseball. I don't remember if I won or lost any particular game. You know, it was always just fun. You know, getting out there, getting better, whether it's pitching, catching, batting. We need that same kind of aspect to the lacrosse game. You know, uh, you know, I'd rather go home and be happy that I scored two goals overhand than going home and saying I scored the winning goal with poor technique. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, along those lines, I mean, everyone loves to win. And, and you know, I think it's okay to, to say that, you know, you, you want kids to have the – you want them to know the fundamentals, and those fundamentals allow them to win more than right. more than harping on doing whatever it takes to win regardless of if it's poor fundamentals. You definitely – and this is obviously at a young age, so – you want, you want those fundamentals to be proper before you start moving on to other things. Yeah, no, I'm talking at, like, the U8, right, U, right, right, under the U10 level. You know, winning should not be the most important aspect of any programs. You know, no one should judge a program by their winning percentage at that level, at that age, you know. It should yeah. be about how they prepare their kids for the, the, you know, the U12 grade levels or the U15, you know. Yeah. Once we get up to there, winning definitely becomes more important. I agree with that completely. Yeah, so I think i uh, put, you know, development – Overwinning around the three, somewhere like that. For now, always we for now, as yeah. always we can move stuff around, but for now, 
something else you'd want to you want to throw on the list? Uh, this is something I touched on in our first podcast. I think we to grow the game, we need cheaper gear. You know, for these youth kids, a lot of those kids they grow out of stuff so quickly. You know, a lot of kids you know they hit puberty around that age, or they you know they sprout six inches in the summer. You know, and their gear doesn't fit. But when your parents are shoveling out you know, two, three hundred dollars for gear and it doesn't fit the, the following season, they get kind of angry and they get discouraged and they don't want to push their kids into the cross. You know, if we get cheaper gear, it's a lot easier to replenish that as you grow. Um, so it's more willing to, you know, shell out that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure exactly what steps we can take necessarily to lower the price, but I know one thing that always occurred in my family, and I know whenever we got started back in middle school, obviously, was a lot of people had older brothers, older cousins, and we all had their gear for the first two, three years we played, you know what I mean? We all had old helmets, we all had old gloves, you know, used elbow pads, things like that. So I think just giving back to, you know, if you have extra gear, and once you go into college, you know, you're getting gear for, for free or extremely discounted. So if you have some stuff that you can you can give back to someone at the youth level or, or someone that's just starting out, I think that, that'll be huge, you know, too. Kind of along those lines, just because I'm not sure how exactly – you know, we can lower that price quite yet. But. Right, I mean, that, that's going to be on the big manufacturers, obviously. Yeah. But like you said, even just hand-me-down programs in your community, pushing that, that's going to help grow the game at a local level, which is exactly what we need. Uh, I'll toss one out here. I don't. I think it's probably, you know, maybe around five or midway in the pack, but I had using smaller fields at the youth level. I had that as well. I think that that's a great way to get kids more touches. You know, a lot of times these kids are, you know, half our size I don't even know what height they are at you know U8 but they're, they're little guys they don't really need to be running around on, on a full-size field and you know by the time they run around and then complete a pass you know they're only getting one pass every couple minutes maybe you know right. they're, they're dropping the ball and they, they run around and then by the time they get it up the field in the offensive end they, they lose it and they're running back so just by shortening up that field I think they'll you know double triple if not more, the amount of touches they get on the ball. And in the long run, that's only going to have a huge, huge impact on their skill set. Just push that development even further. Right. So I'll put that in. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Around maybe, where would you put that? Four? We have a slot at four. We have yeah, five. I would say four for about now. So smaller, shortening up the fields. Right. And I'd say along those lines with changing the game between the, the higher varsity level to the youth level, I would say get rid of the deep poles at the youth level. Yeah, yep, there is no that. reason a, a lacrosse stick should be taller than anyone that's using it. Right. They can't. They don't have the the strength to use it correctly. They don't have the mindset to use it correctly. They're just going out there flinging their sticks, hoping they get contact, which is just going to lead to both injuries and improper development. So uh, for me, I would say use only short pulls. Work work them with footwork. You yeah. know that's how they're going to learn to play. They'll learn the the stick work aspect much easier by using just short pulls. I know we spoke about this a little bit on our our first podcast. I mean, everyone's seen, you know, you go to a summer league tournament or something like that and you're just kind of walking around and you look out on the on the field and you see a kid that's, you know, half the size of his pool carrying it around. He can barely hold it up. That kid's just never going to get the fundamentals that someone's going to have using the short pool. So I think the going along those lines, I'm not sure what age that should go to, but I mean, I would say at least at least middle school is the first time a kid should pick up a deep pull. Yeah. You know, other than that, just using that short pull even on defense, you know, they're going to learn that proper footwork. You know, opening up their hips, shuffling, side to side movement, 
And then plus they're going to get, you know, it's going to be way easier for them to learn ground balls and passing occasionally, you know, shooting on D, but, you know, on offense, obviously shooting. Um, so I definitely think that, you know, getting rid of the of D pool. So I'll put that down on the list around uh, seven for now. But um, I'll, I'll hop in here with, with a new one. Let's get anything else to add on that. Yeah. Uh, so I had uh, less players on the field, okay, at a time. And what that'll do maybe is uh, – I guess actually what that will do is it'll allow more people to get more touches at a time, right? And with everyone playing at the youth level, for, you know, for the most part, and hopefully everyone's getting in the game equally, they're getting, you know, more touches with that smaller field and less, less amount of people, you know, because if, if someone comes down on offense at the youth level, a lot of times you'll see they make one or two passes, then only those two kids touch the, the ball, you know what I mean? But if there's only, you know, three or four of them, every single time there's an offensive possession, every kid's touching the ball, I think there could be some benefits to that. I don't know if you have any, if you've thought of that or have anything to add to that, but I think I've seen that on a few different things, and you know, from US Lacrosse, it's been sending and talking about that. So, I mean, just from a posing standpoint of that, I don't know if that if I'm if I agree with that or not. I just I think less kids in the field, less chance to development. You know, if we take kids off the field, we're only putting our better kids out there. Whereas if if we change, like we talked about earlier, prioritizing development over winning. Then yeah, less kids can work. But yeah. if we're still pushing the winning aspect, I think less kids in the field is only gonna ruin the development of others. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. But I think if if it's structured correctly, where it's it's a smaller field that that allows for more three on three tournaments or four v four tournaments, then you know that's what it's structured towards. I know a lot of times whenever I was playing like youth league soccer and things like that. We would have our normal tournaments, then we'd have travel tournaments where it was just 3v3. You know, you might have, might have had 10, 12 kids per team. So maybe each community was taking two or three teams to the tournament with only 10 kids on each team. You know, so those kids are, are going to be getting the proper amount of minutes. And while they're on that smaller field, they're going to be getting those those touches too. So we don't have to put that on the list. That was just something I had thought of. We can maybe put that on, you know, something that's up for discussion. So Yeah, I mean, something just came to me now that just kind of lent itself to like the box idea of lacrosse mm -hmm. you know lesser guys in the field obviously a smaller space i think i think if we could push the box uh leagues at the youth level i think that would also be great you know the boxes where a lot of guys learn their stick work you know they're they're there's no deep holes in that those leagues whatsoever and they're just constantly working on getting better with their sticks i, I think that would the box game would help a lot of the youth level yeah i know you know we were listening to the kinesis head coach talk about you know, the fundamentals in, in box and, and the benefits of it. And the one thing he was mentioning was, you know, when you're when you're a little kid and you're out on the field, every time you miss that pass, you know, if you're throwing with a partner or whatever, you miss the pass, you go and chase it 20 yards, you come back. In the box game, it hits off that box wall right behind you, rolls back to you, you pick it up. So for every time a kid out on the field gets, you know, one pass, a kid that's playing, you know, catching in box – gets four or five passes, and over, you know, a whole career, over, you know, five, six, ten, twelve years, that amount of reps gets up into the hundreds of thousands, right. so that's obviously a huge thing, and I know us growing up, we didn't really have any sort of like a true box where we actually learned that style of the game, we never really practiced in there, it was more just like show up to the one or two areas we had in, you know, our local, like a local facility in the area, and for the most part, we were playing with normal nets, and we were just kind of running around and had no idea what was going on, and, and you exactly. know, we weren't practicing there. So I definitely think that that's, that's one of the main ones. So I'm going to toss that here at, like, number five. Okay. I think it's, that's a pretty important one.
Yeah. Uh, also on my list, I had we need consistent referees in the in all levels of the game, especially at the youth level. However, uh, like we talked about, youth is whenever we develop those skill sets, and if we're developing the wrong skill sets because of poor refereeing, it's only going to hurt us in the long run. Uh, we need referees that care about the safety of the children that are out there and the development of the children that are out there. So we need better, not only better education for our referees, we need more referees, period. Uh, I just read a story the other day about how the, the state of Washington, they're thinking about getting rid of lacrosse altogether because there's simply not enough referees. You know, we need more referees at all levels, but especially at the youth. Yeah, I mean, going along with that, we talked about people that went on to play at a higher level in college, you know, coming back to coach. We need some of those people coming back to, to become refs, too, because a lot of these guys, especially the area we're from in, in Pennsylvania, it's it's a lot of people that are maybe soccer refs or they co- or they ref a different sport, excuse me, and they're just, they kind of just want to make some extra money, so they read the rule book, they might have watched a YouTube video or two, went right. to one or two classes to get certified, and, and now they're out there, you know, basically determining if, if you win or lose the game. So, um, you know, I think, get like like we said, just getting better refs overall, especially at the youth level so that the kids understand what the rules are, they're being enforced properly, and, and obviously the safety. You know, safety's a big Safety's thing. just the number one thing. You don't want a kid going out there getting hurt. Not only is that, you know, he's not going to want to come back and, and play anymore if, if kids continue to get hurt. So, and you know, it's just going to limit the number of kids at the youth level. So I think that's definitely good. I'll toss that on just because of what we have, you know, our list's filling up here pretty quick. I'll put that around eight or nine, unless you want to bump something lower, but we'll put it at eight right now. Let's see where we end up, you know? Yeah. One thing I had, and we talked about this in, in last week's episode was uh, making it more of a square instead of a, a pyramid approach at, at the youth level. So, and the the inside or what was the cross magazine? Yeah, lacrosse magazine. They came out with it. So like how it is right now, just to kind of for those of you who haven't seen it, it's more of a pyramid approach. You know, from youth to the high school level, where you kind of start out where everyone can play, then it narrows to some get to play, narrows even more to few, and then once you obviously get up to the the varsity in the college, it's the best play. And what they're looking to do, and I think it's a great idea too, is they're kind of trying to square off that lower half of the pyramid, right? So, like, ages 0 to 6 is more of a discovery phase. 6 to 9 is all about teaching the fundamentals and harping on that. Uh, eight, or not, excuse me, 8 to 12 is the foundation stage. And then 11 to 14 is when the competition really starts emerging more and more. So by that point in time, you already have your fundamentals, you know the rules, you know everything that you need to be able to do to become a really good lacrosse player. And then that's whenever it really starts to, the competition picks up. And then eventually from there you move into the, the high school levels and, and the varsity. And, and that's, you know, the best kids play at that point in time. And then college, you're, you know, at the elite level. So I definitely agree with that strategy. Uh, it's definitely going to take a big entity like U.S. lacrosse to push that forward, you know. We yeah. need our governing body to really set the example. And I think that's what U.S. lacrosse is trying to do. Uh, that's a big part of growing the game, uh, setting the right structure from the start. I, I think that's definitely going to help out at the youth level, pushing those kids uh, to continue playing for their, you know, all of their lives. Yeah, but, yeah. But no, another one you want to throw on here. We're getting, you know, the list's getting pretty full. But obviously, like I said, we can bump some things off if we feel something's more important. We talk about uh, what I have just from a coaching standpoint. I think there needs to be connect between our youth teams, our high school teams, and our local college teams, especially out here in, in the east. Uh, you know, there's plenty of teams in the area that play have lacrosse as a sport, but a lot of them don't mix with one another. You know, there's a lot of high school teams that don't really handle their youth teams. There's a lot of local college teams that don't 
you know, giving attention to the local high school scene around them. I think if we brought all those things together, it would push kids into keep playing year after year after year because they see, you know, if I'm a youth kid and I see someone that went, was in the same position as me four or five years ago now at a local college doing what I want to do, it's going to drive me to keep playing. Yeah, I think that's a good point, you know. I think uh, we've touched on a lot of different points about people giving back to the sport and, you know, coming back to your local community to help out. And I think that's along those lines, you know, if there's a, a college in the area that, you know, some of the players show up to your youth practice and, you know, they're, they're telling you something to do, you're obviously going to gonna listen to them because, you know, they've, they're at the pinnacle of the sport and, you know what I mean, they're, you know, at the elite level. So I definitely think that's a, that's a strong point. I, don't know if you I mean, the same thing at the high school level. I mean, I remember our – First or second year playing youth lacrosse, the the couple guys from our local high school team came down, helped out at our practice. I learned more from those guys in the 45 minutes they were there than I probably learned the rest of the season. Yeah, just sharing that kind of the same lacrosse mindset with people that know the game is huge for a youth player. Right. You know, it, it's it's what pushed me to further my defensive game because I learned techniques that were taught that day. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I'll throw another one out here. I mean, we have 10 or 11 already, but I think. I've always been a big fan of making sure kids are multiple sport athletes. Yes. I felt like, you know, a lot of times, especially nowadays, these kids are being told that they need to, you know, start just playing lacrosse year-round, and, and a lot of them are getting burned out. I was always a, a two-, three-sport athlete every single year. Uh, I know you played multiple sports. You know, we always were playing you know, different sports together, and, and I feel like every sport – you can take something from each sport and put it into the game of lacrosse. Absolutely. And you're also learning a different thing about athleticism in each sport as well. I always thought that soccer was a great great sport to start out with, just doing grasshopper or you know, peewee soccer. You learn the fundamentals of running, athleticism, movement, hip turns, hand-eye, you know, uh, foot-eye, or however you want to say that, coordination. And, uh, you know, and then going from there, a lot of people go on, like, T-ball, and obviously it's a ton of hand-eye coordination, catching, throwing, batting, you know, using your core and hips and upper body. And then, you know, if you want to get into hockey or football, and, then, you know, obviously basketball has picks and rolls and, right. you know, two-man games and court vision. So, I know every sport has something to offer and make you into better lacrosse player. So, I just really feel like being a multiple-sport athlete is going to, you know, benefit you in the long run. I, I completely agree with that. Being a multi-sport athlete has helped me completely uh, with my lacrosse career. Uh, even at the youth level, though, I think it even pushes the range of people that want to play out wider. You know, say your kid plays youth lacrosse and he goes to his basketball basketball camp or basketball practices and say says to another friend, hey, why don't you come out and try this with me? You're just growing the game each time you do that. Because you say, I do it once, he's the person I get is going to do it once, and it's just going to keep growing exponentially, and that's just going to further our reach to more and more children playing the game of lacrosse. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think uh, unless something else sparks up, that was sort of all I have. But if you have some more things you want, you want to add, uh, the only thing I have is uh, Bor- Borough Co- Cooperation. Okay. I know here where we're at, a lot of the different youth team, uh, youth sports, bicker about field times or facility use or anything like that. And there just needs to be a cohesion between the different groups in order to get put the children uh, first. You know, if we're fighting back and forth, we're not really caring about the children. The children need to be first at the youth level, uh, regardless of what the sport is, who's paying for it or anything like that. Children need to come first. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a, 
you know, great point. Uh, I don't know if you think that you want to bump something off for that. I just put that as like an honorable mention. We have about 12, 13. I can just run through the list, see if we want to move some things around maybe and just, yeah, let's just go, go through it. So for right now, we have the top 10 ways to grow the game at the youth level. Number one, we have educate the coaches. Number two, we have fundamentals. Number three, we have development over winning. Number four, we have smaller fields. Number five, we have more indoor options and, and playing true box lacrosse. Number six, we have the price of gear. That's kind of a, more of a negative thing. Number seven is getting rid of deep pools at the youth level. Number eight, we have refs. Number nine, we have the square approach versus the pyramid approach. And then number 10, I have multiple sport athletes. But obviously, if you want to bump something out of the 8, 9, 10 region, we can. Or if you want to move something around, you think something's more important. But I like that multiple sport athlete. Yeah, I'd say they definitely should go higher on the list, maybe in the 6 or 7 range. Okay. Uh, just because you know, the multi-sport athlete, like we talked about a minute ago, is just so important not only to learning different sports, but to getting the name of lacrosse out there. So then you think... Referees, the square square versus the pyramid approach. Where would where would you rank those ones at on the list? I, I mean, I would say the square versus pyramid approach would be number ten, just because it's already being implemented. You know, it's not okay. something that we need to fight for right now. I think the other things on the list are really something we need to hammer home every time we talk about the youth lacrosse game. Whereas now, uh, U.S. lacrosse especially is has that seem to be under control. You right. know, yeah, I, mean, I definitely think that those are all strong points. Um, you know, if you don't have, have any more to add, I think we can, can read through our final list unless you want to move some more things around, or do you feel feel pretty good with it? I feel pretty comfortable with that. I just the honorable mention, like I said, the cooperation between the boroughs and constantly putting our the children first at the youth level um, right. should be definitely an honorable mention. Okay, I'll definitely throw that on the list. I feel like we had, uh, and also we were talking about the connection between, you know, right. colleges coming back or, or varsity kids. Um to help out at the youth level, you know, when, when they can. And, and, and that's on the coaches there, too. You know, they can schedule out a, a half-hour, you know, short practice. So you can go down to, like, a youth practice to, to help give back. Or even if you just show up to give a speech or just show up. Invite them to your practice or something Yeah, like invite that. them to come up, you know what I mean, getting them to be ball boys and things like that. Right. You know, just getting everyone involved in the, in the community. Excited. So we'll throw that on the honorable mention list as well. Um is there anything else that you wanted to, to throw out there, either honorable mention or something you think could bump, bump I mean, that, off on the list? That's all I had for this list. I, I think you should just run through our top ten. Yeah, yeah. so here it is, our uh, final top ten ways to grow the game at the youth level. Number one, educate the coaches. Number two, harp on the fundamentals. Number three, development over winning. Number four, smaller fields. Number five, more indoor options and playing true box across. Number six is the price of gear. Number seven is getting rid of deep pools at the youth level. Number eight, being multiple sport athletes. Number nine, better and more educated referees. And number 10 is the square versus the pyramid approach at the youth level. And then our honorable mentions, we have the cooperation of the borough. We have connection between the college, high school, and, and youth level youth level programs in the community. So I think that's a, a pretty strong list. Yeah. Uh, as always, you know, feel free to join the conversation. Like like the name of the podcast, we want this to be a culture. We want it to be a community. So you know, tag us at at the Lacrosse Culture on or excuse me at the Lax Culture on Twitter. But if you just search the Lacrosse Culture, it comes up as well. Um, we also have the blog at www.thelacrosseculture.blog.wordpress.com 
We got uh, some articles on there. One talking about the start of the season energy. It's starting to build for a lot of people. And, and you know, but when this podcast is out, it's going to be already in full swing. And then, you know, we, we talk a lot on there about, you know, different different types of players and, and uh, different things that go on while you're trying to coach a team, especially if it's your first year. But, you know, one, we always try to end end up on, on a question here. So the one question I have for you this week is is what can, can coaches do to help better lacrosse at the youth level? It can, it's something we touched on already, but if you want to go into it a little farther, feel free. Well, for me, I think it's just giving back at that youth level. I mean, a lot of high school coaches, they're so focused on their, their high school team by itself or even their college culture is the same way they're so focused on their team that they're not focusing on those that are behind them um for me it's very important because the youth teams are pipelines for our high school programs or our college programs you know if we don't give them the kind of attention that they need at that level they're not going to be prepared enough for when we need them years down the road so to give back whether it's with your time whether it's with coaching notes your your understanding your fundamentals anything anything you can do to give back to that youth program i think coaches and older players need to do that speed yeah i mean i pretty much have, have a very similar answer you know if you're someone that went on to play in college or you know a high varsity level go back and, and give back to the to the youth level you know and especially within your community you know what i mean help help give back to the place that that made you you know even if you're or you know go coach go coach a summer league or something like that too at the youth level you know anything you can do to donate your time you know which is extremely important to everyone is their time you know, go back and donate it, you know, give back, you know, some of some of what you've learned throughout your time. And, and just the fact that you're there is going to inspire kids to want to wanna play harder. So that's, you know, pretty much the main thing that I have. I don't know if you had anything else you want to talk about on social media or anything along those lines. I know I touched on it. I mean, I just, if you're a coach, a player, a parent, a referee, and you want to get your voice out there, please hit us up on social media, comment on the iTunes account. You know, we'll, we want to hear what you guys have to say at every level of lacrosse. Like like Cody said, this is a, a culture podcast. We want to be be about the community of lacrosse. We want to hear your voice. Yeah, you know, and if we missed something, you know, let us know. If there's something we missed important, which I'm sure we did on, on most of these, you know what I mean? Send us a tweet, you know what I mean? Send us a, a DM or, or comment on the blog, you know, or comment on, on the iTunes account. And, and once again, just make sure you guys subscribe and and feel free to rate us, you know, that's only going to help bump us up higher in the in the lacrosse, you know, when someone searches lacrosse and then in, a, in our section as well on iTunes. So, you know, thanks again for listening. Uh, and like I said, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, you know, go check out the blog, go, go follow us on Twitter. And that's lacrosse culture. Thanks, guys. Let the drama kick, let the drama kick, let the drama kick, whatever you do, let the drama kick.